This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. Support for this podcast and the following messages come from our friends at the Paul Mueller Company and Hopsteiner. Please thank them. This podcast wouldn't be possible without their generous support. Paul Mueller Company has been manufacturing quality brewing equipment since 1964. Our innovative design and engineering will save you time, labor, and ingredients, sending money back to your bottom line. Learn more about our new mobile hop module at paulmuller.com. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. So we're able to see individual nucleus inside this long chain of pseudo-hyphae. And, and the software from the Salometer X2 was able to pick each one of those up. This week on the show, if you use Brettanomyces in your brewery, you know that counting bread cells is complicated. How would you like to automate that process? Hi, my name is uh, Leo Chan, and I'm from uh, Nexon Bioscience. I am the R&D manager at, in the Department of Technology R&D. Leo, you were here on the show way back on Episode 7, where we talked about the poster you presented at the last World Brewing Congress. Uh, for those listeners who aren't familiar with your publications, give us a brief overview of your previous work with automated yeast cell counting. Thanks, John. So the previous poster and publication we, we have done um, with MBA was uh, uh, publishing some work on measuring yeast viability and vitality using an instrument that we have called the Salometer X2 image cytometer. So uh, what this instrument does is it takes multiple pictures of the yeast uh, that's in your sample and basically you can take a sample and put it in this uh, uh, microfluidic chip and using the salamer you can take multiple pictures and using a fluorescent stain called aquanine orange and propridium iodide we can stain the live and the dead yeast and then counting the, the cell to total number of cells as well as the viability then in addition to that we can also use something called cfda am to measure the vitality of the uh, ale and lager yeast. So by doing this, we can figure out if the yeast are still enzymatically active. So what we have discovered in the past is some yeast, although they are quote-unquote viable, but they actually lost their enzymatic activity, so they're actually not doing anything during fermentation. So by using this other stain, we were able to figure out um, if they're actively fermenting in the in a in a uh, beer product. And you also did some work where you could really determine some of the other physiological properties you were looking at, you know, 
lipids and trehalose and all this other stuff as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So that that was a good uh, uh, good point. So we also have done um, in the past some investigation into how uh, we can measure other parameters from the yeast uh, that people have. So we have tried three different things. One is uh, using uh, um, Nile Red to stain the neutral lipids. We also used um, uh, a, a stain, a label to find to measure the trellose content as well as the uh, glycogen content using aquaflavin. So these are basically a direct translation from another paper that we read uh, uh, in the uh, Brewing Institute, uh, sorry, Institute of, uh, for Brewing. And uh, we, we, it was done in a microscope setting. So we carried it over to the salometer to automate that method. Um, it seems like more people are interested in looking at the glycogen content at this point. Um, from what we have experienced in the field so far. Very good. And now you've got a new publication on the topic of counting Brettanomyces with a salometer. What were the challenges of assessing Brett? So some of the challenges, oh, before I get into uh, talking about the paper, I just wanted to um, um, give credits to uh, uh, Brian Martiniak, uh, Jason Bowden from the University of Maine, and which, uh, which are our collaborators on this project. So they did all the um, brewing experiment and then they did uh, the counting and we worked with them to develop the method to, to do this paper. So, so going back to the question about the challenge of measuring Brettanomyces. So I think when we got started on this project with uh, Dr. Bone, um, one of the things that we were looking at is how do we measure a yeast that is forming a chain or some sort of pseudo hyphae. And I asked them, how do they currently do it? So they didn't have a good answer at that point because they purchased it from, you know, Y lab or Y yeast, right? Um, yeast providers. And usually they provide like a, some sort of density value, but the question is how do we measure those? Right? Um, so, it's very difficult if the uh, yeast starts to form the pseudo-hyphae, how do you count it? And we were trying to figure out a way to really count those because in a bright field, you can really see individual nucleus in the pseudo-hyphae, which is... Leo, why don't you take a, take a minute to um, explain pseudo-hyphae in a, in a little bit more detail. Is that the, is that the same thing as uh, pseudomycelium? Um, it's very it's very similar. So the pseudohyphae is just an elongation of the yeast itself, and when it buds, it doesn't separate; it continue to uh, attach to each other. So you have this long chain of yeast, but they're but they're all connected. So it's very hard to separate out which um, uh, individual nucleus from within that pseudohyphae. Does that make sense? It does. And so and sometimes you can see multiple nuclei in what you think is the same cell. There, right? Exactly. So, so at, at least under the bright field imaging in a microscope, you can't really tell and separate out. You know that there's a chain of yeast there, but you can't really tell where each individual yeast start and start and end. So that's yeah, that's that's a pretty big challenge. So how did you how did you go about approaching that challenge of dealing with cells that are so difficult to separate out visually? So we started out by saying, okay, if we want to actually count the um, Brettanomyces, we want to uh, be able to measure all the nucleus 
uh, nuclei in the in the pseudohyphae. So we started out by using the same stain that we have been using, the acronym orange and propionium iodide. And it seems to stain these Britannomyces very well. So we're able to see individual nucleus inside this long chain of pseudohyphae. And, and the software from the Salometer X2 was able to pick each one of those up. So now the question comes back to us is, do we need to count them as individual cell or as, as a one long chain of multicellular organism? So which, way, which one better represents the sample, right? So we did it both ways. And, and what we found is that yeast, uh, the Britannomyces that forms the most pseudohyphae has more discrepancy between counting them as one multicellular organism or counting them as multiple individual cells versus Britannomyces that did not form a lot of pseudohyphaes. And you looked at, might be a good time to point out, so you looked at several different species. You want to talk about which ones? Yep. So we looked at three different uh, species during the experiment. So we looked at Clausinii, Broxillinus, uh, uh, and Lambicus. So out of these three uh, Britannomyces, Lambicus didn't really form um, that pseudohyphae. It was more like individual cell, very similar to Saccharomyces. Um, and the Clausinii uh, formed the most pseudohyphae. And where uh, Broxinus, um, uh formed like the, the middle, medium amount of pseudohyphae. Coming up. We are looking into how we can measure a co-culture fermentation or a co-culture experiment in a batch using the salometer. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District New York meets at Anheuser-Busch in Newark June 14th. District Philly's annual golf outing is June 15th. The District Michigan Summer Social is July 7th at Fitzgerald Park in Grand Ledge. District Northern California meets at Admiral Maltings in Alameda July 19th. Don't miss the Brewery Safety Webinar on July 25th. The annual District Texas Summer Meeting is the weekend of August 3rd in Kerrville. The ASBC MBAA Brewing Summit takes place in San Diego this August. This week is your last chance for discounted early bird registration. Register now at mbaa.com where you can also view the full calendar of events with more details or find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. All right. Why don't you um, set us up for the, uh, the different experiments that were done to, to get to these methods? Okay, so um, so within this paper, what we initially did was we cultured these uh, three strings of Britannomyces in uh, three different flasks, and we have a stir on, and then uh, just measure their concentration and viability over that time. And we discovered that each of those uh, strings plateau at a different concentration. 
So it was very interesting to see how uh, that became um, uh, during the during the growth phase, and you could see um, Lambicus didn't grow as much as the Clausiniae, and it, it could be due to the amount of pseudohyphae. Uh, but you could also see as they uh, grew, um, their viability remained pretty high. I would say above above eighty percent for uh, most of for all three strains. And um, and where Clausinia was the most stable one, um, so that was the first experiment. We're basically using that growing in a con uh, control condition to set up our counting parameters on the salometer. So after that, what we wanted to do is we're also able to use uh, a plugin software called FCS Express. So what we did is we plotted in a scatter plot. The minor and the major axis, which is which is basically the length and the width of the uh, Bertanomyces yeast that's counted in the image uh, on a scatter plot. So by plotting that, whichever yeast have very long major axis, which is the length, versus the minor axis, which is the width, that indicates it's either elongated or it's budding. So we're able to measure using this method the percentage of elongation or pseudo-hyphae formation um, in, the, uh, in the culture. So after that, uh, what we did is we wanted to see how these yeasts behave in a real fermentation. So Dr. Bolton and, uh, um, uh, and, and uh, Brian was able to take uh, two of the strings. So we did the Cosinii and Lambicus and then run them in a, a typical 100% uh, Pertanomyces uh, fermentation. So we're able to see, uh, also measure the concentration over the about 40 days for both strains. And we're able to see that there's a difference between how the, um, the yeast propagated or grew during the fermentation. Um, we're also able to measure the yeast viability and we could see that uh, during the entire run of the 40 days, the Cosinii, again, was very consistent, very high viability. Um, however, uh, after about 15 to 20 days, Lambicus viability started to drop, drop down to about 70% and remain about 70% for the rest of the duration. Um, then we're also able to measure the uh, budding and pseudo hyphae percentage during the fermentation, where, as expected, the Clausinii uh, showed a very high pseudo hyphae percentage throughout the entire fermentation, while Lambicus showed initial budding and then drop um, dropped to very low percentage um, throughout the rest of the fermentation. Was there anything different between the propagations and fermentations? Were you just doing both, as you mentioned, to sort of set up the counting parameters in the first phase, or were you hoping to make sure that the analysis would work at different conditions and concentrations, or was there some other reason for all that? So the reason to do um, an initial propagation experiment was um, for assay development. So we wanted to use basically a controlled system to see what the um, uh, what the Bertanomyces look like, um, and then by doing an actual brewing experiment or fermentation experiment, um, that allows us to put these parameters that we have set up as a real test for someone 
for a brewery that may be doing a Britannomyces count um, uh, in their facility and see how it looks under the salometer. So they can set up similar parameters and then be able to count them more accurately during the entire fermentation. I think at this point, most of the breweries are still doing um, a mixed culture. So in a, in, in a product, they would have either a, a combination of uh, Bertanomyces and Saccharomyces. So some of the breweries have asked us if we could uh, kind of separate them out. Um, I think if they're about the same size, then it'll be very hard. So, but we are looking into how we can measure a co-culture fermentation or a co-culture experiment um, in a batch using the salometer. You read my mind. That was my next question. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you observed uh, some different growth curves during fermentation. Do you want to talk more about that? Yeah. So, so we actually looked at during the fermentation, well, actually in both fermentation and propagation, we noticed that they grew differently. So we actually went back to the, um, uh, to some previous publications and then they did indicate that uh, our results match a similar trend to what the previous publication have said, have published. So it kind of, you know, put us in the right spot. So we're, we, we thought it was, uh, it, it was probably real data. It wasn't um, um, something like a one-time uh, experiment. So we actually did this experiment multiple times and we got similar results. Um, so I believe it could be just how the um, uh, each strain su- uh, forms that pseudo hyphae, and I think when it gets into that pseudo hyphae mode, it grows much faster. So if you look at the growth curve in the um, a technical quarterly, you can see that of course Calcinii grew had the most pseudo hyphae and it grew the most. Then the next one was Brasilinus. And, and then finally Lambicus. And you can see that that was the trend and all the, also the trend of the, um, the decreasing in pseudo-hyphae formation. What I think is one of the questions that we really need, you know, need all the uh, breweries that's doing Britannomyces to think about is, you know, how, you know, how, how should we count these Britannomyces? And is there a difference? Because if you do count them as a multicellular organism versus an individual cell, there's going to be some difference if you're using Clausinii. And I would say at least 20 to 30% uh, in, in concentration difference. So how would that affect your product? I think those are the questions that, because we don't have a, we don't have a fermentation you know, system here. So we definitely need some um, insight from the field. So, other than investigating the possibility of um, mixed uh, fermentations, what else is next? What else are you guys working on? So, so that's a very good question. Thanks for bringing that up. So, this uh, in this year's Brewing Summit, we're actually going to present a poster on uh, counting bacteria, total bacteria in uh, uh, for fermentation. So, if you if you're doing sour beer, that's a very good application. So, we have. Um, set up different staining protocols so we can use the salometer X2 to count all the bacteria that's in your culture before you pitch. So very similar to how we count uh, Saccharomyces. Um, we're also working with, again, 
University of Maine on using the salometer uh, to as, uh, at the same time measuring viability. So, uh, so that we can use uh, the salometer to track concentration and viability throughout the fermentation. That was Leo Chan here on the Master Brewers podcast. Type Chan into the industry's best search bar at mbaa.com to find Leo's three technical quarterly articles, as well as several of his presentation slide decks. I'm really looking forward to the ASBC MBAA Brewing Summit coming up this August in San Diego. It only happens every four years, and it's not like any other conference you've attended. The Brewing Summit is 100% the science and technology of brewing. No pep rallies or business lectures, and you'll be surrounded by some of the smartest men and women in our industry. If you can only attend one conference in 2018, this should be it. Register now at MBAA.com. Just like that one day when we came around there